my name is Nikki, and I am a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I am an encounter for anger and codependency. My parents start, uh, separated when I was two, and my brother was five. They got back together when I was four and divorced when I was five. That's when my mom, brother, and I moved in with my aunt and uncle. They started taking us to church, and that is when I first was introduced to Jesus. My mom married my stepdad when I was six. I wanted a relationship with my biological dad, but our visits and communication were becoming less and less because my dad was busy with his new family and didn't know how to prioritize. Having a relationship with both of my dads was extremely important to me, but I was learning at a young age that I could not make anyone love me. It was hard with all of the rejections because I wanted some kind of father figure. I just figured that my biological dad did not want my brother and I to be around him, and I felt like I was more of a bother to my stepdad when he married my mom, like he had to take my brother and I because we were a package deal when he married her. I felt I had no one else to hold on to except my older brother at the time, and that was not easy for him because I was the annoying little sister. When I was little, I always did what I was told to do, didn't want to ruffle anyone's feathers. But at the age of three, I was at my grandmother's boyfriend's house, and he took me to the bathroom and tried to have me do inappropriate things to him. He told me if I did what he said, he would give me cookies. I somehow found the strength to say no, pulled my hand out of his, and walked out of the bathroom. And he never attempted that again. This was the first of many times that God I didn't tell my mom about it until I was 12, and the only reason I told her was because she and her sisters wanted to To be honest, that was the first time I had remembered what happened, and it sparked when the thought about going to see him again, and it terrified me. I never wanted to see him again. But God protected me again, and we never found his house. I was so close to my grandma and always felt protected and seen by her. I loved pampering her by brushing her hair and rubbing lotion on her hands and feet, and she loved it. It felt good on her poor diabetic bones. I remember her cornbread and buttermilk and all of her hugs and kisses she would smother us with. When she was admitted to the hospital and died January 23rd, 1986, my mom told me that my grandma went home to be with Jesus. I was sad and felt instantly lonely. I didn't cry because I didn't want anyone in my world to see how sad I was feeling. At the age of 11, I was tired of my biological dad making plans and then canceling them or just not showing up. I got tired of the rejection, so I decided to write him a letter expressing the hurt and anger I was feeling. I asked what I had done to cause him not to love me anymore. He never responded to my letter, so once again, I felt rejected. Yet, I was still searching for him. Didn't matter how hurt I felt, I just desperately wanted a relationship with him. I finally found him at the age of 15 by calling my aunt. I didn't realize my dad was the one who answered the phone because I didn't recognize his voice. When she told me it was him who answered, she had us talk. I was so excited at the idea of talking with him again, so I asked my mom if I could go see him, and she said yes. And ever since then, we've been working on a relationship. With lots of work, talking things out, repairing a damaged relationship, and forgiving him, I have learned to accept the type of dad he is to me, and our relationship is really good. Throughout this time, my relationship with God was growing the best I knew how to grow it. I was involved in youth group, discipleship groups, going to camps, and surrounding myself with church friends. I was homeschooled my entire school life, and so all I knew was homeschool with my brother and church friends. I never knew what it was like out there in the real world. 
At the age of 13, I accepted Jesus in my heart and was baptized. I made the commitment to be in the word, journal, pray, memorize scripture the best that I could. But when I was 16, I was making my parents' life crazy. I was starting to rebel and seeking friendships that just weren't good for me, for someone like me, codependent. I just went along for the ride and liked how it felt at the moment, not realizing the sadness I was feeling and loneliness was because I was slowly walking away from God. My mom had given me a choice to go to public school or get a job. I decided to get a job. I was 17 when my life began to slip. When I started working, I started seeing the world in a way I never knew existed. I started noticing different lifestyles and just wanting to be a part of that crowd. Church life was not fulfilling me and wasn't exciting anymore. I was never accepted into that certain crowd at church, you know, the godly clique. On, years, on New Year's Eve, when the clock hit midnight, my stepdad walked out to me, and, it, and I expected a happy new year and a hug. But instead, I was told that if I didn't shape up, I needed to move out of the home by the time I was 18. That was only three months away. Shortly after that, I met a man who would become my first husband. He had just started coming to church when we began dating. Shortly after that, he gave his life to Christ. But the pastor felt like I was not ready for a relationship, and he asked us to break up for a while. And if we were meant to be, we would get back together again. We were asked to be apart for a month, no talking, no seeing each other. Once that month was up, we got back together, and shortly after that, he proposed, and we were married June of 1998. Even though that still small voice was telling me not to marry him, I still went through with it. I didn't want to disappoint anyone. My stepdad even noticed something was off and asked me on two different occasions if I was sure I wanted to go through with this. The last time he asked me was just before I walked down the aisle. He looked at me and said, are you sure you want to do this? I can take you to the car and come back and tell everyone the wedding is off and you don't have to face anyone. I told him I was sure and he walked me down the aisle. Talk about codependency. I went along with the marriage and shortly after we got married, he told me about his addiction to pornography. Being 19 and not knowing anything about pornography, I felt rejected. Instead of coming home to me, he went to the computer. Every day, he would come home and tell me he watched it, and because of that, I felt rejected. I wanted out of the marriage, but felt I couldn't talk to anyone for fear I was failing everyone. I coped by staying out of the house and just hanging out with my single friends. I was running. Eight months after we got married, I finally told him I wanted out of the marriage. His response was, divorce is not an option. You will have to have an affair, but you'll never do that. He must have missed the part about porn being adultery himself. I had even mentioned that to him, that what he was doing was already adultery, and he dismissed me and told me I was wrong. We then tried counseling with my pastor and his wife. My husband never brought up his addiction. I didn't feel it was my place to share about it, so I stayed quiet. The pastor told me that it was my fault the marriage was in trouble. His wife, who was my discipleship leader for years, told me that throughout the years of knowing me, I never showed fruits of the spirit or growth in my relationship with God. Those words crushed me because now I felt I failed God. I couldn't do marriage right, and now I couldn't even have a relationship with God right. That's when I shut off my emotions and just stopped caring and basically checked completely out of my marriage, which resulted with me having two separate affairs. My husband called me while I, he was out of town and asked if there was someone else, and I answered, yes, and he's with me now. 
At that moment, I no longer cared about anyone and I was completely dead inside. 30 minutes later, my mom, dad, brother, and sister-in-law walked into my house and found another man in my bed. And that was at 2.30 in the morning. When I looked at my mom, who was and is my best friend, I said these painful words. I did not invite you in here. You can leave. I left my first husband for a man who was addicted to drugs, used my money to buy his drugs, and was emotionally abusive to me. I felt like a complete failure. My pastor told me I had already failed as a wife and as a Christian. At night, I would pray to God, I am so sorry for not being sorry, but please don't leave me. God answered me by showing me unconditional love through my mom, because after hurting my mom with my words, she never left me or stopped loving me. During this time, my church took me through the biblical process of reconciliation. That process could be summarized as them showing me the door and kicking me out of the church. While they could have handled it better scripturally speaking, I was just not in a place to submit to God's truth and his Holy Spirit. I continued on the path of living with my boyfriend, going further and further into debt and even losing my job. My brother and his wife tried to talk to me by showing me tough love, and that didn't work. I even went through two major illnesses where I had to call my mom to take me to the doctors because the man I was with just couldn't be bothered. So my mom and one of my good friends were the ones that really got me through those times, or so I thought, not realizing God was leading my mom in this very difficult time and her having to watch me go through all the suffering and paying the consequences of my actions. Yet she still loved me no matter what. Looking back now, I not only see where God was there for me, loving me and carrying me, but where he was carrying my mom. My parents would always tell me, you can come home at any time. You just have to tell us when you're ready. I never thought I would go back. How could I? Look at the mess I had created for myself. I felt I deserved all the bad that was happening to me. On July 15, 1999, to be exact, I decided I couldn't take it anymore. I just couldn't live that life anymore. I was tired. I called my mom and dad and asked if we could meet about me coming home. They agreed, and on July 16, 1999, I was dropped off at my parents' house with my bucket of belongings, and my parents and I met. I was so ashamed of all I did, all I put my parents through, and especially now having to crawl back home. It was the best decision I had made back then. My parents and I spoke for a while, my stepdad giving me the ground rules of living there, and I was ready to do whatever they needed of me. The stepdad, where I once felt I was a bother to, actually showed me the most love on that day. That is the day he changed in my eyes. When it came to the real hard times in my life, my stepdad was, the, was nothing but amazing. He became the dad I was always hoping for, and that is always, and that is also when I realized I needed to love him the way he knew how to be a dad to me. Even though I was going home to my parents, I could feel that tug from God asking if I was ready to surrender and come home to him. I kept telling him no because I was too ashamed of what I had done. How could he take me back? How could he love me? I wasn't done playing God yet. I thought I could do a way better job, yet I was sinking deeper and deeper into depression. I didn't even realize my mom was keeping a close eye on me because she, I was showing signs of a nervous breakdown. I couldn't be in public places for more than a couple hours besides my job without feeling sick. 
I was constantly shaking in a state of just survival. Without my mom's prayers, I don't even want to think of what would happen to me. All I know is I can look back and see God in every situation and every time I turn my back on him. I, now, I know now that even when I turn my back on God, he never turns his back on us. Isaiah 54, 5 through 8 says, For your creator will be your husband, the Lord of heaven's armies is his name. He is your redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of all earth. For the Lord has called you back from your grief as though you were a young wife abandoned by her husband, says your God. For a brief moment, I abandoned you, but with great compassion, I will take you back. In a burst of anger, I turned my face away for a little while, but with everlasting love, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. Even though I was a virgin when I married, once I left my husband, sex never meant anything to me, especially when my husband confessed his addiction. I'd give my body to men, hoping someone would love me. I was constantly searching for love because of lack of love from either of my dads. I never felt worthy of anyone's love. I felt that using my body for sex would bring that love I was longing for, but in the end, I just felt empty inside. When I was 21, I was presented with an opportunity to make money by filming porn. Instead of seeing the consequences of, my, of the porn industry, all I could see were dollar signs. However, shortly after leaving the producer's house and saying yes, I started to have doubts, but I didn't know how. I shared with a friend about the opportunity to make money filming porn, thinking my friend would be supportive. She instead surprised me by saying my body was priceless and told me there was no way she was going to stand there and watch me do that and just give my body away. God used my friend to show me I was worth something, and I had the courage and strength to tell the producer I changed my mind and wasn't going to participate. Another area where God gave me the strength to say no. He was, always, he was always there even when my back was towards him. A year and a half later, I found someone who I believed would fill that emptiness I felt inside. Three months after we met, we married on August 11, 2001. And five days later, he left for boot camp. Five months after we married, he was stationed in Germany. Instead of looking for a home for us, he spent his time partying and drinking. Eight months later, my heart was telling me that, he, that my husband had stopped being faithful. I went back to my coping mechanisms to protect my heart before he break it. The morning after I had an affair, he called to tell me that he was unfaithful and wasn't ready for the commitment of marriage and that our marriage was over. I allowed myself to feel some hurt, but kept myself busy with friends to numb the pain. I was still running. The practice of pretending I wasn't affected seemed to work. Anytime I would try to talk about it, the people seemed disinterested, so it was just easier for me to keep it in. But the pain kept growing inside of me, and time did not make things better. It just made it worse. This hurt led me to having different relationships, and then one day, while I was interning at a music studio, I met a band from Pennsylvania. <laughs> the lead singer was the only one of legal age, and he wanted to explore the town. So we started hanging out. It was nice and different to have a guy in my life where we knew there was an attraction, but didn't act on it because we were both in other relationships. So we just focused on the friendship. He actually listened to me when I would talk and actually showed interest in me. That was so different and unheard of. Eventually, both of our relationships ended, and we decided to give us a chance. 
him being the way he was so attentive actually scared me, so I ended the relationship a few weeks later and went back to my old boyfriend. A few months later, we decided to try again. I was terrified because why would he treat me so good? When would it stop? Short, when would it stop? Shortly after we started dating, I got the urge to start the divorce process with my second husband. Up to that point, I had been holding on to my marriage in the hope that one day he would realize how much he loved me and he would want to come home to me. But I never felt, I didn't feel that way anymore. The divorce was final and that was no longer looming over our heads. A couple years into our relationship, we just hit a wall of complacency. He was still in a rock band, out many nights a week, and I was working and doing my own life. It was March 2006 when we were talking and he said, if we were going to last, we needed to make our relationship Christ-centered. I never knew what that meant, but I knew we would never go, but I knew I would never go into a large church or possibly even a Christian church again. I went with him a few times to his church as he was raised Catholic. I then reconnected with a girlfriend of mine from my childhood church, and she invited me to her family's church. I started attending there in October 2006, and on December 23rd that year, I was asked to marry him. Once we were engaged in thinking of marriage, we both agreed that we needed premarital counseling. A requirement for premarital counseling was to refrain from having premarital sex, and without hesitation, we both agreed on it. On September 21st, 2007, I married the love of my life. It did not take long before I struggled in my marriage with feelings of abandonment and feeling unimportant. In my quest for attention, I started talking and texting with a friend of mine and developed feelings, and that turned into an emotional affair that lasted almost a year. I knew God intervened, but constantly by constantly putting obstacles to prevent me from taking that relationship to a physical level. I remember crying out to God, begging God to remove the thorn from my side. With tears streaming down my face, I asked God to remove my desire to be with this other man. God answered my prayer and removed that desire I had to that relationship. With him out of the picture, I was able to focus on my marriage, my husband, and shortly after that, we were blessed with our son. I knew God had forgiven me, and I was content to leave it at just that, forgiven, between me and God. But God had different plans because he was leading me to tell my husband about my emotional affair. I didn't want to hear it. I was irritated, and I was scared. My husband and I said during premarital counseling, if I speak to another man inappropriately, our marriage would be over. God spent the next six months preparing my heart and giving me the courage to tell my husband. July 2012, while at, marriage retreat, while at a marriage retreat, God put it on my heart that on our date day, I was to trust him and confess to my husband about my emotional affair. God said to me, it's time. You got to trust me, baby girl. I sat my husband down and told him that I need to tell him something, and I told him everything, pouring everything out to him and crying. After my confession, he showed me love and grace, and even though he was hurt and angry, he forgave me when I did not deserve it and never left me. Two weeks after that, we found out we were pregnant with our little girl. We had been trying for a year and went through two miscarriages, so this pregnancy was an answer to prayer. A year after our daughter was born, I noticed I was struggling with anger. I kept hearing about this recovery program and kept saying, that, that's not for me. I kept telling my husband that I needed to go on medication because of my anger and mood swings. I didn't know what else to do. 
It was getting out of control and I didn't know where it was coming from. I finally decided to ask the pastor of the recovery program if he thinks the program could help me. And I told him I thought about calling the doctor to get on medication. And the pastor said, just show up. Which I recently found out that he does not remember the conversation. <laughs> he was very intimidating, but I heard him. And funny enough, during that service on Sunday, they were showing many testimonies. They had uh, many testimonies, and they had a bumper of some people who went to celebrate recovery and their issues. I was seeing myself in the clip. Then there was a marriage testimony of a couple who were involved in CR and what it had done for their marriage. It ended with, if you want to see more of their testimony, show up on Friday. So that Friday, I went by myself, feeling terrified, but still walked through those doors, heard the testimony of that couple, witnessed a vow renewal, went through 101, got my packet, and walked right back out the door. I went back because I felt a pull to go back. I told my husband that I didn't know why I was there, and this place is not for me. He told me if I was fighting it this hard to not go, then that means I needed to be there. That would be called wisdom. <laughs> I, ori I originally believed that I was there for anger, but soon found out that I was ridiculously codependent and struggled with self-worthlessness and abandonment. Shortly after attending, I was approached to become an apprentice of a woman's group, which shocked me because I didn't feel worthy enough to help, and I felt I was still so broken. Through the process of participating and leading a woman's group, I learned that God uses broken people to serve him. 1 Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. I also went into step studies not knowing what to expect and not knowing it would help me and not knowing if it would help me to figure out the mess that was in my head because I didn't even know where to begin. I had to trust a group of women that I did not know with my junk. My fear is that they would judge me and reject me. I, nat I have naturally a bubbly personality and love everyone but didn't feel worthy enough to be loved by others and didn't believe that they would love me and stick around through my dark days. To my surprise, I found the complete opposite. I found true friendships with women that loved and encouraged me to go deeper with my relationships with them and with Christ. Ephesians 3:17 through 19 says, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And you may have the power to understand as all God's people should how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. There are days I find myself struggling with self-worthlessness, codependency, and anger, but I now have the tools I've learned from Encounter because I am fully committed to Encounter by participating in groups and serving. Encounter was a life changer. First and foremost, I encountered the Jesus I knew my whole life, but the healing I experienced at Encounter made Jesus real to me, and it was like meeting him for the very first time. My heart was opened up to Jesus, who longed for me, who desired me, who loved me, and I was worth it to Jesus. Second, if it wasn't for my husband pushing me to stay and being my biggest encourager, I don't know where I'd be today. 
I want to take a minute and talk about my husband. We've been together for 13 years, and we've had our ups and downs. So much so where last year I was ready to walk for my marriage. God had other plans. Praise Jesus for that. He changed my heart. He opened my eyes to what an amazing man he has blessed me with, one who truly loves me unconditionally. There was nothing that could tear us apart with God as our center. He is my biggest supporter in life, and I am so incredibly blessed to walk this earthly life with him. And the best part is we get to spend eternity together. I used to think a man would complete me. I know now that only God can complete me. He just gave me an amazing man to understand who I am and to love me the way he knows I need to be loved. He is my better half. God also blessed us with two amazing kids that I get to love and who love me unconditionally. To know how much I love my kids and to know that God loves me more, it just blows my mind. It amazes me that my family gets to do this life together. Third, the people I have met and encounter have become my family because I can take my mask off and not be afraid. For example, a few Fridays ago, I was in a car accident when I was driving home from encounter. A few seconds before the accident, I was leaving a message on Boxer to one of my best friends and she heard the accident live. In the few seconds of that accident, she immediately started to pray for my safety. Once I hit the railing and she heard me say, okay, three times, she went and she texted my husband and let him know to call me and that she'd be there to help me with my kids if needed. Once I was home and everything was calm, I called another friend from Encounter and she prayed with me. This is where I found my 2 a.m. friends. Friday nights have become my favorite night of the week because I get to serve alongside some of the most amazing people and my husband too. I can walk in with the worst attitude and 20 minutes later I am smiling and starting to feel filled with joy because the people here. I love the fact that Encounter is a safe place for my kids to learn about Jesus and have people they can talk to openly about as well, and they can trust them. I get to serve as a leader. Here at Encounter, I serve on the team, and I'm a volunteer coordinator. To all the newcomers, welcome. I know how hard it can be to walk through those doors. I encourage you to keep coming back and start serving. I encourage you to take off your mask. I encourage you to go to group and share. People go to church to hide, but people come to encounter to heal. You will be amazed at what you discover about Jesus's healing through sharing. I am blown away how God takes our junk, our pain and our shame and recycles it and makes us trophies of his grace. When that voice starts telling you that you don't need to come, that is when you need to come. Thank you for letting me share.